Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. Welcome back. As you guys know, the past month and a half, my wife and I have prepared for our daughter, Mia Victoria, to be born into the world. Um, she was born September 25th. She is a month old today. And we are excited about what God is doing in our family, what God is doing in our church, um, what God is doing in just uh, our, our people, just the blessings of God. And um, we're excited to get started. One thing that we, we have learned in parenting is to enjoy moments um, and don't take any moments for granted. And so we were very intentional uh, with our um, second child, Mia Victoria, to make sure that uh, we invest, you know, just take this, don't take this time for granted. Um, and so, but we're back. We're back for the rest of this week. I've got some amazing things prepared for you guys. Uh, just because we haven't posted uh, in the last month, it doesn't mean that we haven't been working and building and getting things uh, on a grander scale for you. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm not even going to tell you what we have for you this week. I'm just going to I'm going to show you better than I could tell you. Uh, but we've got some excited things planned for you uh, with this podcast. We take this very seriously. Uh, we take this as a as a ministry. Uh, we were building um, the podcast studio uh, to make it better, make make the lighting better. Um, a lot of things that we've been doing, equipment that we uh, purchased to make things better. Um, right now, today, I'm not using that equipment because uh, we're working out uh, a few more. Uh, bugs so it can be in a good good shape for tomorrow um, but I want to thank all of you for faithful faithfully listening uh, because uh, let me tell you something we've still had thousands of people every week from around the world tuning into the podcast although uh, we haven't uh, posted in a month and this is the most you know we, we've, we've been, you know, inconsistent uh, just because my daughter being born. That's the bulk of it. But thank God we, we're, we're, we're moving on and um, baby's growing up. And uh, I'm excited to get back in the saddle and break the word of God down to you. It's a privilege to get to share the word of God with you. Um, Many of you from around the world have reached out to me uh, in my messages saying, hey, when's the podcast starting back up? Or saying how it's been such a blessing to you. Um, and I want to thank you for that feedback. Uh, we do this for you guys. Uh, we just want to serve you guys. We just want to serve, serve, serve you, serve your family, um, and just be a blessing. And so... With that being said, I'm excited to get these things 
started. It's going to be even better this week. I'm telling you, this week is going to be our best that we've ever done it, uh, that we've ever done it. Hundreds of thousands of listens um, on this podcast, and that's due to you. That's due to your your faithfulness and listening, and I'm glad that this is resonating uh, with you. And so this week, we got some great things planned. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm going to show you better than I could tell you. And so be looking out for some amazing uh, updates, not only updates, but um, amazing uh, podcasts, uh, podcast episodes this week. Let's go and continue our series on to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Uh, We're going to get through these scriptures, and um, I'm just excited about what God has been speaking in Matthew. Uh, We just started a series in Romans with our church. We're in Romans chapter 1, going verse by verse through the scriptures. And, um, but I'm excited to give our podcast listeners, Matthew, and I am going to be, uh, for those that have, you know, subscribed on, uh, Spotify that are doing the subscription, we are going to have the full book uploaded to you audio, uh, this week. And I'm trying to work on finding a time where I could also upload it audio to our subscribers for uh, where is it's in Spanish. And so I'm working, I'm working diligently. I'm working hard on this. Um, we've been just building. We've been getting things uh, prepared. And now's the time. And I'm thankful for it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whosoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. 
you brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Verse 37, last scripture, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Uh, so, so special, um, so, so special, uh, the word of God is, is just so special. Remember the theme of Matthew's gospel is fulfillment and he is writing to the Jews to persuade them that Jesus is the Christ. And he is persuading them that Jesus is not just the savior of Israel, but he is the savior of the world. This is important to uh, realize and, and grasp because Israel was waiting on some type of warrior king um, that would come and destroy the Roman oppression. But what Matthew is showing is that Jesus, the Messiah, did not come to uh, set them uh, free from only uh, physical bondage, but spiritual bondage. And that he wants to set them free from the bondage and the slavery of sin what is spiritual, he wants to deal with that first. And that Jesus is very, the Messiah is very different than what they were preparing for and what they were thinking of. Very, very different. Um, and that was one of the troubling things with Israel, trying to comprehend God's majesty, the Elohim, God with us, the transcendent God with us. That's who Jesus is. That's who he was, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, the, the transcendent God wrapped in flesh. It was tough for them to comprehend. Not only that, but it was tough for them to comprehend that this is a spiritual kingdom, not a, not, 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 not a kingdom that is one through killing people or harming people physically, but this is a kingdom that is expanded spiritually. It's tough for them to really grasp that because uh, from the beginning of time, they, their, their hearts were meshed with land. Uh, everything was about land. If you look at the word for Adam, you know, the word Adam uh, in Hebrew, Adam, it, it literally means uh, man or mankind. And if you look at the word uh, ground in Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word is Adama, Adama. Now, remember, man 
was taken from the ground. So, so the ground is Adama, and out of Adama, God pulled forth Adam. What this is showing us is that, is that there is an intricate relationship, an intimate connection between a man and his land, or mankind and territory, land. And so what we have to understand is that this is ingrained into the mentality of the Jews that that we have to have land, we have to conquer land, we have to, that, that it's almost impossible to separate a man from his land. And that's, this is ingrained in their psyche. And so when they're expecting Messiah to come, they're expecting Messiah to come and destroy all the oppressors, like literally just kill them to expand his kingdom. But Jesus is showing them that I am coming to build a spiritual kingdom, that I've come to die. This is about to mess you up. I've come to die for your oppressors. Oh, my word. You want to talk about uh, countercultural, that I've come to die for you and the people that are harming you. Th that's, a, that's an an unbelievable love. That, that is an unbelievable love. I've come to die for you and the people that are harming you. I've come to die for the Jews and the Gentiles, and I've come to save each of them, and I've come to call them children of Abraham. Do you understand how unbelievable that is? Children of Abraham, Gentiles being children of Abraham, it's, a, it's, it's, it's something that couldn't even be grasped in their thinking at the time. But through Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles alike are children of Abraham. What Paul said, he said, when you have the faith of Abraham, you are the children of of Abraham and that the covenant is was in Abram's faith before it was in his flesh. Uh, speaking of Genesis 17:10 with the covenant of circumcision, Paul argues that the covenant was in Abraham's belief in God because he believed the Lord and it was uh, counted unto him as righteousness. So the covenant was in faith, he argues, before they got the covenant of circumcision in Genesis 17. What he's saying here is that the covenant is in Genesis 12, not in Genesis 17. The covenant is in spirit before it's in flesh in Genesis 17. This is profound teaching of the New Testament. Now, this poses problems. Because he's advancing a spiritual kingdom, but he's having a tangible success. And uh, the scripture would state in Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 22, that they, they brought unto him uh, one that was possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him so much that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And 
the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? Um, anytime you see uh, references like the son of David, it's always, it's always uh, alluding uh, to the Messiah coming from David and he's operating in a significant amount of mercy. And so when they're seeing people possessed with the devil getting healed, they're like, they're seeing the mercy of God in a, in a phenomenal way. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Now, look at what he does here. Jesus is doing good things, but the, but the Pharisees are projecting their own sinfulness upon Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Jesus is doing good things, but the evil in the Pharisees' heart, they are projecting their own evil on someone pure and righteous. Have you ever seen that before? Where you're doing good things and right things, but people may be envious or jealous of you, and they begin to project their own ambitions, their own heartbeat upon you and see you through that lens and make accusations against you in that lens. And it's, 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 it's unbelievable because these Pharisees are, are like throwing mud against the wall wanting something to stick because they're trying to destroy his favor with the people. They're, they're trying to destroy his favor against the people. So, so they're trying to use any type of uh, public accusation to hinder his mission, to hinder his effectiveness. But they are projecting upon him what they themselves are dealing with. Because remember, Jesus at one time said, he said, if you were of my father, you would believe in me. He said, but you're not of my father. You're of your father, the devil. He tells the Pharisees that their father is the devil. Now, now it's incredible that Jesus says to the Pharisees, your father is the devil because they're doing the works of Satan. And now these people whose father is the devil because of their deeds, they are projecting upon Jesus their devilish tendencies saying, no, he's from the devil, but it's, they're really being used by Satan. But, but as they are being demonically used by, by the devil, they are projecting their own internal issues upon Christ. Isn't that unbelievable? So they start pulling stuff out of the wall. He's casting out devils by Beelzebub, the, the, the prince of devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? What, what, he, says, he says, listen, you're talking about Satan working against himself. He said, how, how, how is he going to expand his kingdom if he's actually working against himself? So he's using a logical statement here that, that anything that is operating against itself isn't going to last. 
anything that is self-sabotaging, if I'm the prince of devils, then, then why would I cast out devils? Wouldn't that be working against myself? So he uses their logic uh, against them. And then he says, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Now he gets to the hypocrisy of it. Um, he gets to the hypocrisy of it. It's because now in, in different uh, extra biblical Jewish literature, they had different rituals that they would try to do to cast out evil spirits. And so these Pharisees, they had practices where they would try to cast out evil spirits. And now Jesus is really casting them out, not with a strange ritual, but with the authority of his word and the authority of his spirit. But he says, listen, if I'm casting out devils by the prince of devils, how are you, how are you guys casting out devils? You guys supposedly casting out devils. He, he's showing, see, these Pharisees are trying to catch him in his words, trying to catch him in, 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 in some type of, um, in, in some type of, uh, issue. They're trying to wrap him up. They're trying to find anything to make accusation against him. And Jesus is using their own logic against them. He says, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Now he's showing here that in, in the spirit, this is a different fight. When Jesus is casting out devils, it is expanding the kingdom of God that everything that Satan owns, that Jesus is a, manif is, is a manifestation saying that devil, your time is up and we're going to allow the kingdom to start expanding. And now all the territory that you have possessed, now you've got to leave. And you see that when he went to cast out this devil uh, in uh Gadara, he had thousands of devils in him. He cast them out into the pigs, and 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 the pigs. The Bible says that that those devils said, "Hey, you can cast us out, but please don't let us leave the region." Why? Because we have territory here. We've been here for a while. Please don't let us leave the region. But but those pigs couldn't stay in the presence of God. They ran and went to the water. And I preached a message years ago about when the presence of God comes into your life, that, that immediately that the filth, the pigs were filthy, the filth will, will, will go to the water. And when the filth goes to the water, the filth can't survive the water because those pigs drowned in the water. And I talked about how when you have an encounter with Jesus, that it will lead you. It will bring your filth to the water and that the filth can't survive the water. And I talked about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that when you get baptized in his name, that your sins, it, it can't survive the water. And so whenever his presence is, the demons the Bible says that the devils believe there's one God and tremble. 
The devils believe that there's one God and they tremble, the scripture states. And so, anywhere his presence is and his name is used, the demons have to leave the territory. So he says, when I cast out spirits by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, or else as one can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me. He that is gathered not with me is scattered abroad. Now, now he's saying, listen, man, there is no, there is no um, gray area when it comes to, to serving me or believing in me. He said, if you're not working with me, you're working against me. I, I love Jesus' mentality and posture here because there is no uh, on-the-line uh, component with him. He said, you're either all in or you're all out. Right? You're either all in or you're all out. I, I can't take people that are just walking, towing the line safely. I need, I need someone to serve me with everything. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, he shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, there are people that are fearful of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you know, saying the Holy Spirit's not real or, or things like that. Uh, people fear this scripture because it speaks of the, you know, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, um, where, where like you have a reprobate mind because now God's presence have left you, you know, because you spoke ill of, you know, the Holy Ghost. That's that. That is a difficult situation to address, and and I, what I love about going through the scripture verse by verse is it, is it forces you to tackle uh, some difficult issues. Um, that's a difficult issue because we 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 don't know. Um, some people are, are scared because before they come to God, they were speaking so much about you know evil you know, evil of God and evil of his spirit and evil of speaking in tongues and evil of these things. So, so they worry if they have become a reprobate, they worry like, am I, am I, am I far from God? Is God ever going to forgive me? Because once I, I, I blaspheme, you know, uh, God one time, I, I do want to, there has to be a reverence with the things of God. There has to be a reverence with the presence of God. There has to be a reverence with the Holy Spirit. There has to be reverence. Anytime I use the word Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost, those are all the same things. Those are, those are interchangeable words, okay? Um, and, and, you know, Paul kind of refers to it not only as the Holy Spirit or as the Holy Ghost, he also refers to it as the spirit of holiness, and so the bottom line is, is that it's a spirit that is holy. And so if something is sacred and holy, you have to be careful how you handle it. You, you go to these um, uh, different uh, 
religious sites uh, in the Middle East or in these different worlds, these temples, you, you see that there is a certain way that you have to dress to be around those temples, to, to, to get to go and see it. You're like, there's things, you, no foods allowed. You're, you're, you got to cover up. You got to do all of this stuff just to go and see a sacred site. And so th this word holy, it's, it's, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is holy. And so we have to be careful on how we handle it and how we walk in it and how we talk about it. And it doesn't need to be like so, so common among us that we, that we take it for granted. And so he's warning against here, against blaspheming against the Holy Ghost. Now, some people are living that fear. Did I ever blaspheme? I don't know if I'd blaspheme. I don't, I don't know. And things like that. Well, to give you perspective, to ease your conscience, to not live in fear and fear of, you know, your salvation or fear of anything like that. I want to give you perspective. If Jesus asked Peter to forgive 70 times seven, you know, how much grace and love does he have for you? If Jesus one, remember, he's not willing that any man should perish. So you have to understand, I've said this before, that God, God wakes up the unbeliever every morning, puts breath in his body, allows the blood to course through their veins. He puts breath in their body, knowing that with the breath that they have, that they're going to wake up and curse him and even try to prove that he doesn't exist. But he still wakes him up every morning. Why? Because he waits in the shadows, waits for an opportunity of one day them coming in relationship with him. The long suffering of God is, is unbelievable. And that's what you call unconditional love. This is why it says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. He's talking about the rain of blessing. That the sun rises on the just and unjust. He's talking about the, the sun, like good things and, and rain, good things, blessings, good things happen on the just and unjust. And it shows that there's one God, that he is creator and that he loves and he's made everyone in his image. And so if God is having tolerance, listen, if God is having a to tolerance with, uh, with uh, different people from different backgrounds, because he's waiting for them to come into relationship because he died for everyone. He died for the Hindu. He died for the Jew. He died for the Muslim. He died uh, for uh, the Buddhists. He died for the whole world. He loves everybody, but he waits for an opportunity to come into relationship with, with man. And you have to understand, we're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And so remember, sin deserves judgment, immediate judgment. So, but when God withholds judgment, it shows his mercy. All mercy is, is that when God holds back from you what you do deserve. So listen to this. So all these unbelievers, they have been in sin since they were born, some of them 60, 70, 80, and God hasn't, hasn't judged them yet. Why? Because in his mercy and his love, he's waiting on an opportunity to come into relationship with them. That is the long suffering of God. That is the patience of God. It is a powerful thing. The scripture even states that he waited in the days of Noah. 
God is a patient God. God told Noah that he was going to destroy the earth, and then he waited 120 years before he did it because he wanted to make sure Noah built the ark. God is patient and long-suffering. This is what I'm trying to share with you. So if God is like that with unbelievers, how much patience and love does he have with the believers? And it's like a quote that I, that I, I wrote. Uh, I put it uh, on my uh, social media. I said, listen, if God's grace can cover a sinner that committed a murder, his grace can also cover the saint that made a mistake. And I said, don't forget that God's grace extends to the church the same way it extends to the world. So Jesus is giving a warning here to not be incessant in our disrespect of the Holy Spirit. But when someone crosses that line, it's tough to tell. God's grace and mercy and long-suffering is so amazing, it's tough to tell. It has to be very difficult to get to the place where you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and God's not forget. It has to be very difficult to get into that place. Because remember, the apostle uh, Paul, remember, he was Saul and he was persecuting Christians. Think about that tolerance. And in one encounter with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, he went from preaching against him to preaching for him. And so one, ra- one radical transformation can, can just change everything. And so God is, long, God is long-suffering. And so what I'm saying here is, is that don't live in this fear or this anxiety on if you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is, is, is it's a beautiful thing to believe, it's a beautiful thing to confess, and it's a beautiful thing to repent. It's beautiful. Okay. I hope I helped somebody there. Verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. He says, listen, there's no middle ground. There's not a tree that, you know, there's no middle ground here. Let, let's call it what it is. Produce good fruit or produce bad fruit. He said, oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you say shows what's in your heart. How we speak identifies what's in our heart. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by by thy words thou art justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now this is this is amazing because now he's um revealing to them um that how how we talk is is very important and it comes out of our heart. You ever had somebody, you ever had a friend that was that was jealous of you, so every time they're kind of around you, they always make a joke at you, and oh, I'm just kidding, oh, I'm just kidding. But they're taking shots because it's out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. You know? 
the, their own evil words, the Pharisees' own evil words reveal the evil that's in their own hearts. When someone's always looking at the negative, no matter how good you do, no matter how much you're trying to serve or anything, when someone's always trying to see the negative aspect of thing, it's something in their heart. And you cannot internalize what's in their heart. What they say is exposing themselves. What they say is exposing themselves. And so it's a warning on how we talk because how we talk exposes our heart. I remember, I remember several years ago, I was preaching in a church service and I was preaching. It was an encouraging word. It was an edifying word. And I said in the message, I said, you know, sometimes we have all these crutches that we rely on and depend on. And Jesus is saying, I want to be that, that, that your only crutch. Like he says, I want to be your source. So I'm preaching like that. I said, Jesus wants to be your source. We don't have to have all these crutches that we depend on. Let him be your source. While I was saying that, this is an encouraging word, guys. While I was saying that, someone got up, stood up in the back. They had, they had crutches. They had physical crutches. And they walked out the church shaking their head like angry and upset because they were interpreting that I'm preaching against their physical crutches. <laughs> Guys, you can't make this stuff up. So I can't walk around in guilt because someone got offended because that's something in their own heart. I'm talking about spiritual crutches. I said, a crutch can be a relationship. A crutch can be, can be anything other than God. And so this was spiritual. This was, this was figurative. But someone with physical crutches got up, walked out the church, shaking their head, disappointed, thought I was preaching against them from the pulpit about their physical crutches. My, fo- my friend, that exposes their own heart. We cannot internalize how other people are interpreting what we're saying when we know our heart is in a good place trying to help people. And that, that's kind of a funny story, you know, because I literally had to say like, Hey, whoa, no, I'm talking about spiritual crutches. I'm talking about spiritual. They're still was shaking their head and they just walked out. I mean, so if someone's looking for a way to be offended, they're going to be offended. In 15 years of preaching, I have never, preached against someone in the pulpit. Never have, never will. I literally walk in love. I literally walk in love. I've had somebody slap me in the face and get up uh, and, and honor that person from the pulpit on some of the largest uh, platforms after this person just slapped me in the face. I will never use the pulpit to harm anybody. I will never use the pulpit to retaliate or take vengeance or anything. That is a place, that is a sacred place, that is a holy place. It has to be for the edification of God's people. It has to be for love. And that's how I've always walked. That's how I always will walk. But when I mentioned we have all these crutches, someone 
with evil in her heart, got up with their crutches and walked out, their physical crutches and walked out. Like I would actually preach against someone's physical crutches. Isn't that crazy? But what that showed their own heart. That showed their own heart. And so we can't walk around on eggshells and on our tiptoes all around for being afraid of offending people for while we're walking in pure motives, pure, um, a pure heart, trying to help people, trying to love people. And you got to make peace with that, you know, or, you know, people will hold things over your head that's actually in their heart. And so that's the message. Don't let someone hold something over your head that's in their heart. Amen. And so he talks about the importance of our words. He said, every idle word, every careless word is going to be taken for in judgment. By your words, you're justified. By your words, you condemn. Your words are going to be the outward evidence of your inward character. And so we have to be, we have to be very careful with our words. We've got to speak words of edification. Let everything be done unto godly edification. Let every, everything be done to help people. I will only speak things that are going to help people. If I speak something challenging, it's to help you. Everything's coming out of a place of love. I'm going to speak the truth in love. That's the foundation. But these Pharisees are speaking because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And they are being influenced by Satan. Remember, later, Satan filled the heart of Judas. Remember, Judas condemned the woman's worship. Right? She condemned this woman's worship. Uh, because of the things that he was fighting within his own heart. We got to be careful how we condemn someone's worship. Because sometimes it can expose our lack of worship in our own heart. And so... Matthew is setting the stage here for we we are hastening toward the climax of Matthew, which is going to be Matthew 16. But <coughs> he is showing the 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 dull nature of the religious leaders that they don't have a sensitivity. And what they're saying is actually showing their heart. And so I'm excited to get more into this. I pray it's a blessing to you. Uh, leave a comment. Uh, leave a comment. Let me know uh, what you guys think. We love and appreciate each of y'all. And uh, I'm looking forward. I got some great news for you this week. But I'm going to show you better than I could tell you. Talk to you soon.